have faced battles in their relationships, whether it be a family relationship with their children or whether it be in their marriage relationship or it can be just with friends. I mean, relationships can have their battles associated with them. Some of you are in financial battles. You don't know how ends are going to be met and there are bills that need to be paid and you ask yourself, how in the world are we going to get through this particular month? And so, so everyone knows battles. And of course, losing one of our own this week, James, unexpectedly. I liken that to a casualty of war. And so I thought this might be a good Sunday to just talk to the troops. How many of you know we're the army of God? I, I mean, if we don't rise up and become the army of God, there's no one else coming. And so I just thought it might be a good Sunday to just talk to the troops and maybe bring some perspective to this season. And I want to read to you out of 2 Samuel chapter 23. And I've entitled the lesson this morning, Is Your Hand Stuck to the Sword? Is Your Hand Stuck to the Sword? 2 Samuel chapter 23, beginning with verse 8, it says this. These are the names of the mighty men whom David had. Josheb, uh, Bashabeth. Why, why did they name the, why didn't they name him Joe or Roger? Uh, just, he was the Tacamite, chief among the captains. He was called Adino, the Esnite, because he had killed 800 men at one time. And after him was Eleazar, the son of Dodo, the Ahohite. One of the three mighty men with David when they defied the Philistines who were gathered there for battle and the men of Israel had retreated. He arose and attacked the Philistines until his hand was weary and his hand stuck to the sword. The Lord brought about a great victory that day and the people returned after him only to plunder. And after him was Shammah, the son of Agi, the Herite. The Philistines had gathered together into a troop where there was a piece of ground full of lentils. So the people fled from the Philistines, but he stationed himself in the middle of the field, defended it, and killed the Philistines. So the Lord brought about a great victory. And again, I want to talk for just a moment or two on, is your hand stuck to the sword? The story of David is probably as well-known a story in the Bible as that of Jesus himself. But there's one season of David's life that oftentimes gets overlooked. And it's the time between when Saul runs him out of his kingdom. As you'll recall, David had had quite an auspicious beginning. He was just tending sheep in a sheep field. All of a sudden, Samuel the prophet comes prophesying about a new king. He uh, is initially overlooked by his dad, Jesse. But then later is called into the house where Samuel sees him, looks at little David, puts his hand on him, anoints him with oil, and says, you're looking at the new king of all Israel. It was from that that David began to train by killing a lion, killing a bear. The scripture tell us, tells us that the day came when he had to take lunch out to his brothers who were in the army facing the Philistines. And there in the middle of the valley was the great giant Goliath. You know the story. The whole army was paralyzed, but David steps up, gets five smooth stones, takes one of them in a sling, whips it around, hits Goliath right between the eyes, takes him out, and from that time forward, the name of David was well known throughout the kingdom. He was invited to come to the house of Saul, where he found favor for a season. 
But then suddenly his season changed. And Saul, out of jealousy, ran him out of the palace, ran him out of Jerusalem, and ran him straight to the caves of Adullam, where David spent quite, quite an amount of time. And, and we don't hear much about that time period. A lot of times we don't pick David up again until he comes back into Jerusalem and he is crowned as, as king and he begins to fulfill his destiny. But we've got to stop for just a moment and just talk about David during this time period when he and 400 other men, the scripture tells us, which I'm assuming they brought their wives and their kids along too. So there was quite a number of people there in the caves of Adullam. And the Bible tells us that he spent years literally with these people in the caves of Adullam. The Bible tells us that, that these men were what I have now come to label 3D. 3D. 3D does not mean three-dimensional. They were 3D people. The scripture tells us they were distressed, they were discontent, and they were in debt. They were 3D people. Not really a great crowd to start with, but I guess that's all you can get in a cave. And it was there in these caves at Adullam and in these circumstances where he'd been run out of town, everything seemed to be falling apart. It was there in these caves that God began to fashion a king. It was there that he began to fashion a kingdom and he began to fashion mighty men and mighty women who one day would be used in a great way to bring leadership to the nation. Now the question is, how did God do that in that particular time period? Did he just stick him in a cave and close it up and just let him sort of bake in there like you would a cake in an oven? How did he begin to work in these people's lives in order to fashion them into what they would eventually become? Well, the truth of the matter is, they had to face some battles together. In fact, that time period between when he's run out of Jerusalem until finally he gets back to Jerusalem, if you were just to read those accounts in First and Second Samuel, you would begin to see that time after time after time, David and his mighty men would face all sorts of battles in order to pursue and walk into their destiny. How many of you know this morning we all face battles? at various times, at various levels. I wish I could tell you this morning that somehow you can escape it or you can opt out of it or you can call a time out and somehow it won't affect you. But you can't be a nation shaker. You can't be a world changer in your present condition. God has to groom you and fashion you through the battles of life to prepare you for a destiny. Why else would the women have sung, Saul has slain his thousands, but David his tens thousands. So don't let the battles discourage you. God doesn't cause your battles. It's the enemy that comes into your life wanting to start something up. But God's telling us today, when the enemy steps up and says he wants to start something, you don't have to backpedal. He's calling us to engage in those battles because he's creating a people that he can release great things too. You can't use the term victory if you've never been in a battle where losing was a possibility. You can't use the word overcomer unless you're facing something that you have to overcome. You can't say you're triumphant unless somehow or another you were being pushed down and you had to triumph over that thing. And David and these mighty men, and let me just say, women too. Can I say here an amen from the moms? Amen. There are some mighty moms here today too. 
They had to learn what it meant to rise up and fight the good fight. I have often likened our journey together as a body here at Legacy like the cave years of David. You know, when you're in a cave, it's like you're hidden. I cannot tell you how many times people have come to church here and they, they said, have you just got here? No, I've been here five and a half years. Thank you. I mean, you're just hidden. It's like, it's like God has just closed the eyes of everybody. And so there you are. You're sitting in obs- obscurity. You're, you're hidden. Less than ideal circumstances. I mean, right now, we've got leaks in the roof. How many know caves leak? Mold on the walls. I mean, who really likes to come to a cave? There weren't people tripping over themselves to get to a cave. You know, you never get the clientele you want when you're in a cave. That's why they're 3D people. Who comes to a cave? People who've got nowhere else to go, but they need hope. They need, they need truth. They need something that's the real deal. There are too many fakey people in palaces. I, when you're in a cave, you don't have to put on the dog. Just pull up your rock and enjoy it. That's a cave for you. And so the cave draws people who are saying, I'm tired of plastic. I'm tired of people faking it. I want to see something real happening. And it's there that it takes place in the cave. This is the place that nation changers are formed. This is the place where God raises up mighty men and mighty women. This isn't the place where we've been, we've been somehow exempt from the difficulties of life. This is the place where we can roll up our sleeves and say, let me show you my scars. Let me show you my hurts. Let me show you where I ducked a few spears before I was run out of town and one caught me right there on the ear. That's what the cave is like. That's who God raises up. He doesn't raise up these, these pristine, never-been-touched folk. He raises up those folks who they were, they were counting them out almost to ten, and then suddenly he sweeps in and raises them up. Amen. If you felt like you were getting counted out, you wait for God to just move in your situation. It's the place where these, these are the people God uses, and he fashions them and raises them up. And, and I started reading just through this short list that I read to you this morning about these characteristics that were found in some of these mighty, mighty people, mighty men and mighty women. And there were probably more, and if, if you had hours and hours, I'd share them all with you, but I can only just touch on a couple But these are characteristics, I believe, folks, that God's forging in us. Hear me, if if, if you are attached to this local body, God's forging something in us. He's creating something that's that's usable and it's good and it's not going to be wimpy and... I'm sorry, we use the term wussy. We just aren't going to be spiritual wussies. I mean, we're just, we're going to, we're going to have, we're going to be tough. Amen. And he's forging some things in us. That we need to let be forged because I believe our day is just around the corner. Because when the battle gets the most intense, when it gets the toughest, that means you're at the brink of something great. What were some of the things, some of the characteristics that he's forging in them and I believe he's forging in us? Number one, I just want to remind you, they were not formed overnight. Good news is these warriors were not created like instant grits. The cave is not the microwave. The cave is like the oven. 
You can't push a few buttons and suddenly pop out and be a a king. You can't pop out and be a mighty man or a mighty woman. You just can't pop out and say, here I am. You've got to bake a while in a place in order for God to bring you bring you out in a way that you are usable. I, I say to this day, things still taste better out of the oven than out of the microwave. And you know what I'm talking about. There are some things you look and say, does it have to go in the microwave? I'd rather it go in the oven. God could not reveal them to the nation until their hearts were changed. Their minds had to be transformed. Their affections had to be set. Their loyalties were tested. Their confessions were positive. He he had to put them somewhere where they were under the crucible of a difficult season. But yet they came out of it as tried by fire. And they were ready at that moment to rule. You couldn't throw anything worse at them. What God has called us to hear as a people is not an overnight success. I always liked what Tozier said. He said, God is preparing his heroes. And the day will come when they will appear. And the world will wonder where they came from. I like that. There's a day that God will reveal you and he'll reveal me. He'll reveal us. And everyone will say, where have you been? And you'll say, well, we've been here quite a long time. How come I never saw you? Because God didn't want you to see anything quite yet. Because he was, he was baking us into something. Fashioning us into some things. Creating something in us. Changing the way we thought. Changing the way we speak. Changing the way we approach life. He was changing and rearranging us until finally we can come out as the sons and daughters of God. Amen. So you got to realize that this thing doesn't happen overnight. Number two, I was reading about this guy here called uh, Josheb Bashabeth, the Tacomite. They gave him a nickname, a Dino, the Esnite. Aren't you glad they gave him a nickname? But it said that he killed 800 men at one time. I just wrote on my notes that God needs to fashion in a people those that can handle more than one thing at a time. More than one thing at a time. I thought to myself, they didn't need a Dino the Esnite. They needed a bunch of moms. Isn't that true? Moms, moms have the ability to multitask. Isn't that true? I mean, I'm just amazed. Moms can talk on the phone and give a kid a bath and be cooking dinner and helping another one with homework and all at the same time. All you have to do is turn ESPN on for a dad, and he's just out. He's, he's no good for the rest of the day. I mean, he's just, he's just locked on that thing. Moms can multitask. But, folks, we've got to learn how to handle more than one thing at a time. It's, it's time we understood that the battle just doesn't exist on one front, but it will exist on several fronts. And so we're going to have to learn as a body to battle For more than one thing at a time. And and, and guys, I'm talking to the men. It is time we rose to the battle. We got to battle for other men. It's time we battled for our marriages. We battled for our families. We battled for our job, our spiritual condition. It's time we started battling for some things at the same time. Quit leaving the spiritual stuff just for the ladies and start rising up and, and being men of God. We need to battle for the city. Men, men need to battle for it. Not the ladies, the men. And men, you and I can do that. We can battle for more than one thing at a time. We can, we can battle for the kids and our relationships and all that's in front of us. We can do this. Yes, we can. 
Because God's creating a group of men that will be nation shakers and world changers. And they'll become the model by which others can look at and say, I want that. That's what I want. Number three. Another characteristic is that they were in relationship to other warriors. These mighty men, I was just reading again, it was interesting. The, the mighty men, apparently, there were 400 of them originally, but apparently somewhere along the way they were divided up into smaller groups. And what they did was they put them in a smaller group with 30 of them who had distinguished themselves at, in different ways and at different times. And in that group of 30 of the 400, they divided these 30 into 10 groups of three. So there were 10 groups of three men, and these three men had to fight together. Now, I don't know about you, but it seems to make sense to me the more I think about it, that when I'm in a battle, I want to be in relationship with people who know how to fight the enemy. I don't, I don't want to be dragging someone along that's a coward. I don't want to drag someone along that's going to duck the first time the enemy shoots a fiery dart. I don't want, I don't want you covering my back. I love you, but I don't need you in the battle. And we've got to reach the place where we've got to link up and, and, we, and we've got to be in relationship to other warriors. It does me no good at times to be patted on the back and to be told, there, 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 there. I need somebody who can come up beside me and know how to use a weapon and take a devil out. Join me in the battle. I mean, it's interesting that when people uh, are in a battle, who they call. You know, everybody wants to hang around cool, neat, palace people. You know, we all like to hang around palace people when things are good. But when there's a battle, you find out who's living in the cave and who's tough. Who's special forces? Who's the elite squad? I mean, I'm always amazed that when someone gets sick, who they call. They don't call up their old dead, you know, church and their old dead neighbor. They don't call them up. Who's that, who's that guy down the street that prays in tongues that I thought was so funny? I'm calling him up. I don't understand it, but he seems to get through a lot. Amen. I mean, you want someone, I mean, I understand, I understand no one, you know, they're weird, they're weird, they cast out devils, they do that, they're just weird. Well, you just wait till you're in a battle and find out who you call. Who are you going to call? Not a ghostbuster, a devil chaser. Come on now, when you're going through divorce, when you're, when you're going through disease, when you're facing a time of death, I mean, who are you going to call? You want someone that's been in touch with the Almighty that knows what they're doing in this area. So they were in relationship to other warriors. I want to be in relation. As a pastor, I link up to other pastors who are warriors. Because there's going to be a day I'm going to want them in the battle. Number four. It says here that in verse 10 that they arose when they saw a battle. The text that I read to you tells us of certain times and events that took place in these men's lives when the scripture just gives us a real short account of what they did, but they arose to the battle and God used them at that time to make their mark. Do you know when God will use you? It's when you arise and run to the battlefield. That's when God will use you. All of us will face battles. All of us are going to face tough moments. All of us are going to face things that will bring confusion and it will be mysterious and we'll say to ourselves, I don't get it, I don't understand it, it's not fair, it doesn't seem just, but the key to it is, is not to just suddenly whimper back, but to arise and go to the battle. And that's what a mighty man becomes, it's he sees the battle and he's ready to go into the battlefield. They arose. Come on, legacy, we got to arise when we see the battle. 
We've got to arise when there's a challenge in our midst. We've got to arise and, 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 and not be downcast and depressed, but we've got to arise and, and say we're going to press on and press through. And, and some days it will feel like it's all you've got to get out of your corner and to go back into the ring. But you're going to find that God will be with you when you arise because when you arise, he arises. Amen. Number five, they didn't give up, it says, when they were weary. It says here, verse 10, he arose. That was Eleazar. He attacked the Philistines until his hand was weary. And there are times all of us can say this, I am tired. I wish I had a, a dime because of inflation. It used to be a nickel, but I wish I, had, I wish I had a dime. For every time I have said myself, I'm tired. I'm tired, I'm tired of the battles. I'm tired of fussing and helping and working in relationships and finances and health and kids. I'm tired of the battle. Anyone else ever get tired? Is it just me? Or do you ever just get tired? You know, the older I get, I mean this sincerely, the older I get, the more my mind really slips away to that moment when I get to be with the Lord forever. It really does start to go there. It didn't used to when I was younger, but, but as I get older, there's a, there's a sanctified dream that, that arises in me that says, that's going to be a great day. Because there are times I'm tired. I'm just tired. I'm tired of the enemy always. He just seems, he, doesn't he ever get tired? I mean, come on. I mean, surely you've got to rest sometimes. Aren't you tired? Feeling tired is okay, but you can't give up. I have to keep believing, according to 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9, that when I am weak, he is strong, and that his strength is made perfect in my weakness. And I'm going to give you a revelation today that will really help you, although you won't hear this many places, and it's this, that if you want to follow Jesus truly. True Christianity isn't as easy as some people would like to make you think. It's not easy. I mean, it is not. We have, we have sold people a bill of goods. We've said, follow Jesus. It's easy. No, it's not. It's not easy at all. It takes somebody who's ready to be a winner and ready to press in and to rise up and to go forward. And God will enable you to do that. Number six. I like this one. This is where we talked about the title that. Their hands were stuck to the sword. I started reading that over and over and over again. Isn't that a cool phrase? Their hand was stuck to the sword. Have you ever used a yard tool? A shovel? Something you had to grip something for so long. I remember when I was growing up on the farm that there would be times every now and then that we would be given a machete. And you'd, you'd grab that corn knife or a machete and, and you would have to cut the sunflowers down. Most amazing thing to me is that I go now to Lowe's and they'll sell you sunflowers. I look at that and I say, we used to cut those things down. Those things were the onriest plant in the world. And Lowe's is selling them to you for several dollars. Have mercy. I did, I can't, it's, it's, it's like buying, a, it's, like, it's like going to a restaurant and ordering eel for your meal. Who would want that? So you got this machete, you've got this corn knife, and you're, and you're cutting down along the electric fence line. You're cutting down all the, the, the weeds and the sunflowers. And you would do this all day long, your arm just doing it. And, and you'd actually wear a glove, a leather glove as you would do this. And at the end of the day, you, you, you'd take that glove off and you could set that glove right there on a table. And it would be, it'd be shaped like this. You know what I'm talking about, guys? 
The Bible tells us here that, that this guy right here, Eleazar, uh, the son of Dodo, if that was his last name, he had to have known how to fight. But it said that his hand stuck to the sword. And they literally had to pry the fingers off of the sword to get the sword out of his hand. You know, in, in New Testament days, the ones we're living in right now, you know, we don't pick up a physical sword and go after people. But the Bible says, according to Ephesians 6 and 17, that the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. But they're divinely powerful. And, and we've got spiritual weapons that we battle not against flesh and blood. And the sword, according to the scripture, the sword is the, is the word of God that's spoken out of our mouth. If you want to know what your sword is today, it's when you put the word of God in your mouth and you begin to speak it out loud. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and joint and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. As you speak God's word, it becomes a sword in your hand. For the battles that you are facing. And it does not matter what battle you are in. You may be battling for your family. You may be battling for your finances. You may be battling in relationship. It could be one of a hundred different fronts. It doesn't matter how intense it may be. Or what it looks like with our natural eyes. But you must get that sword stuck to you. Is that sword stuck to you? Now in those days it was stuck to their hand. But in our days it needs to be stuck to your tongue. Is the sword stuck to you? Is the word in your mouth? Are you relentless? You refuse to, to let it go. You just keep quoting it and quoting it and quoting it. And I've had people look at me before and they say, you don't, you don't seem to see reality that's around you. And my answer is that the word of God is more real than what I'm looking at with my eyes. Because what I'm looking at with my eyes is subject to change. This says, thy word, O God, is forever established in the heavens. The flower may fade and the grass may wither, but the word of our God will stand forever. And if you're talking to me about what I'm going to put my money on if I were making a bet, I'm not betting on my circumstance. I'll bet on God every time. And i got to keep it in my mouth. Their hands were stuck to the sword. Is the sword stuck to your tongue? Is the word of God in your mouth? And finally, number seven, it says here that they refused to give up what they had gained. I like this guy in verse 11 and verse 12. He was named Shama, and he had this lentil patch. Now, for those of you that may not know what lentils are, lentils are a lot like a snow pea or something like that. So he had this pea patch. And so here he is being chased by the Philistines in the battle, and he gets to his lentil patch. I don't know how big the lentil patch is. We can imagine it would be, I would suppose, of some size. But he gets to his lentil patch. And when he gets to his lentil patch, there's something that gets inside of Shama where he says, that's it. I go no further. If I'm going to die in this battle, then I'm going to die defending my pea patch. Now you say, why would somebody stand in the middle of a pea patch when it looks to be like hundreds of Philistines are chasing you. Why would you, why would you make a stand in your pea patch? I, I have a really simple answer. It was because it was his pea patch. 
Steve, I bet if someone tried to come take your boat, dude, you'd stand in the middle of that thing with an oar and whoop them. I bet that'd happen. Isn't that true? Come on, guys. Someone got into your garage and tried to take your set of golf clubs or your hunting guns. You'd be like Charlton Heston out of my cold, dead fingers. Come on, some of you ladies have a special room in your house. You got some nice furniture, some antique piece, or something of, of, of value to you. And if someone were to just walk in and say, I'm taking it, I'm here to tell you, it would, what, you would be out of the chute so fast, whooping them with your fingernails. Why? It's because it's yours. And it's of value to you. And so here Shama is. And he's looking at his pea patch. He had watered his pea patch. He had tended his pea patch. He had cultivated his pea patch. He put sweat equity into his pea patch. He wasn't going to let that pea patch go without a fight. And some of you, all of us, have come a long, long way. You aren't the same person you were five and a half years ago. And you may not be perfect, but you're not the same person you were. But you put a lot into where you are right now. Some of you have put some sweat equity into your relationships. Some of you have put some real prayer work into your family tree. Some of you have worked hard in order to get to where you are at your job. Some of you, I mean, you have, you have done all sorts of things watering certain aspects of your life or your circumstances to see a harvest begin to come up. You've been, you've been, you've been pressing forward. You've gone to six, seven, eight, eighteen encounters trying to get your wholeness. And now all of a sudden you got a battle and you're ready to give it up. It's time you stood in your pea patch and said, bring it on. Because I ain't moving. I ain't going backwards. You must refuse to let the enemy steal where you are and what you've accomplished. The saddest thing in the world is to watch people press forward in their walk with God. They'll go a day or two or ten or a month or two. And then all of a sudden a battle comes along and they'll go, it doesn't work. And I just want to go, come on, man. Look at where you are compared to where you were. Stand up. Get your sword out. Beat a few Philistines off. Don't go down without a fight. If you're going out, at least fight as you're going out. Sometimes that's all you can do in the midst of a battle is sit there and beat Philistines off. I've been there before. We all want to go forward. We all want God's promises. We all want some destiny to happen in our life. We all want an open door so that we can go into a better day. But folks, there's seasons in our life. Ecclesiastes 3 says that there's a time for war and a time for peace. And there are seasons that will come to your life where all you can do is make your stand where you're at and you get your spiritual club, the Word of God, in your hand. And all you can do is just you just keep beating them off. And you say, how long do I keep beating them off until they get tired of coming? And then, and then you're going to be amazed at how all of a sudden, now that you beat them all off, how easy it is to begin to move forward. And folks, our season together is this season right here. We just keep doing what we know to do is good and right and needed. Some of you right now have felt these exact ways that I have mentioned to you. And we've had those challenges. We've had our battles. We've had our sorrows. But I want you to know, and this is what I sense, that we are on the brink of some of the greatest victories we've ever known. 
Because God's fashioning an unusual people. He's fashioning mighty men and mighty women. He's forming us in these days into something that others will long to be, but they weren't there in the cave. And you need to just hang tough. I see strength in you. I see not what you were. For some of you, I don't even see who you are. But I can begin to see what you're becoming. Some of you are becoming mighty people. Some of you are becoming influential people. Some of you are becoming something you always dreamed of and you thought it was just going to happen the easy way and God's put you in a cave, but he's creating in you the very thing you need in order to get you ultimately where he wants you to be. David could never have ruled Jerusalem and his mighty men could have never been the special forces had they not had those moments where they were running from cave to cave to cave where they were beating off Philistine, where they were sleeping on rocks, where they were pulling out trash cans, catching the leak from the ceiling as it fell from the roof of the cave. It would have never happened if they hadn't oppressed through that time. Are you beginning to see this? I understand there's casualties. I, I, I understand. I understand it's not fun. Hey, nobody signed up for this, especially when you've got thousands of palace people looking at you saying, it's so much easier in the palace. Sure it is. Sure it is. But unfortunately, when the Philistines came against the palace people, they folded. But when the Philistines came against the cave people, they lost. Amen. And I'm just giving you a little perspective. God's doing some really, really good stuff. Stay in your pee patch. Keep the sword in your hand. Don't turn tail and run. God's training us up to be world changers. Let's all stand, shall we? Gary, don't run any music or anything, just for a moment. Let me just keep it quiet here. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, I ask you right now to sweep in amongst us. Holy Spirit, move up and down aisles, around seats. And begin to do work in your people. Lord, I pray right now. That you would just cause a resiliency and a tenacity to begin to be developed. Lord, we call it toughness. Lord, we want, we want a Holy Ghost toughness. <clears throat> Lord, uh, give us soft hearts. Give us, give us soft spirits. Lord, cause us to be a gentle people. But Lord, give us the ability to have a strength in you. That helps us to stand in the day of challenge. Lord, so many of these folks are doing just that. I know folks right now that are in the middle of their battles. I know folks right now that are, that are making their stands. And Lord, more than anything, I, I wish I could drop them the special key that would just alleviate it. But Lord, you are fashioning them and you are creating them for something greater than this moment. Help them to see that, I pray right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, help them not to throw in the towel. Help them not to shrink back. Help them not to lose the ground that they have made. Lord, as they've moved forward through these years even, Lord, let us not lose one inch. In Jesus' name, we will not backpedal one inch. 
I'll keep preaching miracles and I'll keep preaching divine healing and I'll keep preaching that we can raise folks up from the dead and I'll keep preaching signs and wonders because I'll not be moved. I'll not be moved by what I see. I'm going to keep standing. I'm going to keep standing on what God has said. Amen. You keep standing on what God has said. I'll never forget, I was listening to John Wimber. Some of you don't even know who John Wimber is. He, he passed away several years ago, but back in the 80s, he was preaching healing in his congregation. And he, and he said and told the story that when he began preaching healing and, and the miraculous, he said it was almost as if the exact opposite began to take place. He said folks would get sick and folks would be challenged with their health. And he said, it just, he said I just was wondering if the whole thing was even true he said but there was something in me that just said just keep standing on God's word just keep standing just keep standing just keep standing and so he said I did until finally all of a sudden there was this trickle and one would be healed and then another and then another and then there were two then there were five then all of a sudden people would just walk in the door and they would be healed and suddenly there was an atmosphere of healing that existed in that local church. And he said it never would have happened if we hadn't pressed through all the circumstances and all the challenges and all the mysteries and all the confusions and all the battles and all the wars. He said it would have never happened if we hadn't just kept moving forward, if we just hadn't made our stand that God, your word is true. Lord, do that in us, I pray. Establish in us that absolute, unshakable, unmovable resiliency that takes you at your word. Even, Lord, when our senses are just saying, what in the world? Lord, we focus on your word. Thank you, Lord, that you're doing that in this people. You brought us a long, long way. Now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, Every head bowed and every eye closed. This is what I want to ask. If you've, never, if you've never gotten in the battle, if you've never really opened up your life to Jesus Christ, if you've not, if you've not said, you know what, I want to get things right. I, I, I want to get back on the, on the right path. I want to fight the good fight. I, I, I want to make sure my life counts for something. We do this every Sunday. Maybe there's one or two I'll let go, but there aren't many. We want to make sure that you get started right. So with every head bowed and every eye closed and saints are praying and interceding right now. And Gary, if you want to throw in quiet times, that would be great. But if God's talking to you, I want to pray with you. I'm going to, I'm going to end this morning by one more time just praying for an anointing for battle. But before I do that, I want to make sure I've got hearts right before God right now. And if you're wanting, if you're wanting right now to say, yeah, that's me, that's me. I'm going to, I'm going to get right. We will, we will cheer. What we do here is when people do that, we cheer you. We cheer you on. Jesus said, if you'll confess me before men, I'll confess you before the Father. If you deny me before men, I'll deny you before the Father. It's, it's, kind of a, it's kind of a lonely walk at first, but if there's not courage at the very onset of your Christian faith, there won't be courage when the battle comes. Are you ready to be courageous? I suspect, 
I don't know everybody in this room, but I suspect there are probably those that would say, you know, Pastor, I, 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 want, I want to make sure I'm back on track before I go today. I want to pray with you before you go. So I want you right now, I want you to forget about who's next to you or around you. I just want you to do something really courageous and just slip out and just join me right here at the end of these steps. And we're just going to pray. And you just say, that's me. I'm getting in the hunt. I'm getting in the battle. Folks, just pray right now. Holy Ghost, do your, do your work right now. Is he talking to you? Is he talking to you? Spirit of God, do your work right now. I'm going to take just a moment before I pray for an anointing for the battle. I want to make sure hearts are right. Come on, if there's a battle going on inside of you right now, you can win it in just about two seconds by taking one step. Because right now, if it's raging in your heart, if it's raging in your heart, you can come. Come on, you won't be alone. We've got folks now that are slipping out. How about you? How about you? You won't be alone. Come on, there's another. You won't be alone. See, this is, this is, this is my favorite part because that's how the Holy Spirit works. He just talks to people. And all I have to do is give opportunity. You won't be alone. You won't be alone. How about it? I can't wait but just another moment or two. I can't wait but just another moment or two. How about you? There's another. How about you? The army's growing right here. See? How about you? How about you? Just keep praying just for a minute. We just, we just let people, I know you're considering, thinking, there's another. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. How about you? How about you? I want to pray with you before I go. But we're not, we're not ashamed of the gospel. We're not ashamed. I want to get started right. I make my declaration. Make my declaration. I can only wait just another moment or two. Well, God bless you, sir. God bless you. God bless you. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? <clears throat> this is God. God's just working in us. It's cool. Amen. How about you? How about it? Just another minute or two. You know, this is more important than anything we do. This is eternity right now. Eternity. Eternity right now. And guys, it's okay. You just stand here because God's just soaking in you right now. See, that's what he just, he's just soaking in you and he's changing and transforming your heart. Come on now. If I say I've got 30 seconds and then I'm done, I'm going to pray and then we're going to speak an anointing for the battle. But 30 seconds, 30 seconds, and it can change your whole life. i got 20 seconds here, and I've got to go on. Don't, don't let this moment pass. This, is, this can be your moment. This can be your moment right now. I've got about 10 seconds, and I'm going to pray with these sweet people right here. Amen. All right. And I want some of my guys, Trace, bring up some of your ladies. We're just going to pray right now here. 
And I want you to listen to me. Everybody's going to hang tough in the house of God. I'm doing good right now with time. Everybody hang tough right now. I want you all right now, you've got to pray this out loud. Out loud. And let's just get back on track. And all the congregation, I want you to join with me. And I want all of our voices together just uniting. As we begin to believe with these, you bring your sincerity and your genuineness to the, to the table. And as I lead you in this prayer, God will link up and he will do something miraculous in your heart right now. So let's all right now pray together. Say, dear Jesus, I've sensed your presence. I've responded to you. I'm making a decision to get in the battle. I repent from all my waywardness, my sin, mistakes, my past. I'm turning towards you. And I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. I believe in my heart he was raised from the dead. Like I've never believed it before. To empower me with resurrection power and newness of life. To raise me up as a different person. A new creature. Someone who's never existed quite like this before. I receive that life into me that comes from you, Lord. Thank you for today. That I have an assurance, as I have sincerely prayed, that you've brought me from death unto life, from darkness to light. I am a new creature in Christ Jesus. That's what I want. That's who I am. I embrace it. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Yeah, we'll give him a hand clap. Now, I'm going to tell you something, and, and we've been working on this, and I'm, I'm, God spoke to me about some of this, so you're going to see some changes. But this is what I want the guys to do. We want to, we want to make sure that what you signed up for right now, you've got. I, I don't want you to be disappointed in God and in, in, in what happens, because I've watched people come to altars, and, and, and then they'll go back, and it's the same story. And I don't want that, and you don't want that, or you wouldn't be here. I know that. I know that. You want change. And God knows that. And, and so this is what I really want to ask you to do for just a moment. I'm going to ask you two guys, and, and this is all I can do, to just take a moment, and I want Steve or Noah or someone to get with the guys, and I want you to just pray one more time with them, and they just want to seal this in you, because more than anything, I want you to be victorious. I want that for you. I want that for you. I want that for you. I want that for you, and I want that for you. I want the real deal to happen in there more than anything. And sometimes we come and we feel better. I don't want you to feel better. I want you to be changed and rearranged, never to be the same, never to be the same. We don't need a catharsis. We need a conversion. Amen. And God can do that. And I, let me tell you, God loves you, and I love you. And, and I'm just telling you, you're the first fruit of a great army. You are the first fruit of a great army. I'm telling you, God can do that. He can do right now. He can pull out of you everything that's screaming and saying, will this work, will this work, will this work? And I'm just telling you, the Holy Spirit's going to say, yes, it can, yes, it can, yes, it can. It can work. 
And just just give a couple of these sweet women opportunity to pray with you before you go, ladies. Can you can, can you just slip under the connect? And I'm going to holler and yell, and you just holler into their ears. But ladies, we're nailing it down, guys. I just want you to go under that disciple sign real quick, and I just want you to get it sealed in some hearts before we go. All right, now as they're praying right now, are you ready for an anointing for battle? The Bible says that God has trained my hands for war, and He has anointed me for all things, and there is an anointing for battle. And I want you this morning to have an anointing for victory in the name of Jesus. And right now, if you're facing a battle and you're needing an anointing for victory, you get out of your seat and you come to the well right now. And I'm going to begin to pray that God will open up the heavens and drop an anointing in this place that you might receive for the battle that you're facing. You are victorious. You are a winner in Jesus' name. That God's going to put a fresh anointing upon you and your life. That you're going to go back to your pea patch. And you're going to stand in the middle of it. And you're going to have a Clint Eastwood moment that says, make my day. I am not giving this up. I have come too far. I have labored too long. I've put too much energy in it. I've got an investment in this thing. I had someone say to me one time, this has been several years ago, you think legacy will make it? Legacy will not only make it, we will thrive. We will not just survive. We will blossom and, 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 and absolutely multiply. Come on now. That doesn't mean we don't have to stand in our pea patch and say, we ain't going nowhere. Amen. You ain't going nowhere. Hallelujah. Lift your hands up to the Lord right now. Present your hands for war. Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would release anointing upon these, your people. Lord, we cry out, Lord, for an anointing. Anoint the weapons of our warfare. Lord, anoint us. Give us boldness and give us courage. Lord, infuse us with what we need in order to pursue the enemy. Lord, help us, Lord, not to give up and throw in the towel. But Lord, give us the tenacity, Lord, to stay in the fight, to stay in the hunt in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I want everyone to say, open up the sky. Release an anointing in my life that I might prevail in all my battles. I want to be mighty in God. I am mighty in God. Because he lives in me. And he's living big. Thank you, Lord, that the battle is yours. The victory is sure. You're coming to the rescue. And we are winners, conquerors, triumphant, overcomers. Yes, in Jesus' name. Come on, give him a great big hand clap now before we go. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And Lord, just seal it in them now. Seal it in these people. Seal it in them right now. Come on, you're not backpedaling. That's why you're linked up. You should be linked up to two, three other people who are warriors. When you're feeling tired, those other two warriors can maybe give you a break for a minute and they'll war for you. But then you're back in the hunt. Come on, that's why you need to be at a connect group. That's why you need to be at men's net on Tuesday night. Come on, that's why you need to start linking up with people who know how to fight and win. Thank you, Lord, that you're doing that in us. Thank you, Lord, that you've given us a hope and you've given us a future. 
And, and Lord, we just rest in you. So Lord, bless your people now as we go our separate ways. Lord, let them be a mighty army that loves incredibly and, and Lord, reaches out tenaciously and Lord, just demonstrates, Lord, all that you are and all that you can do in their lives. Let it be so, I pray in Jesus' name. And we all said amen, so be it. Praise God. Turn around and hug somebody around the neck and tell them they are victorious and they're going to have a great week this week. Hallelujah.